We're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. Before I get started, I want to ask a question. If there was some kind of door into, maybe it's a secure place, or we're talking figuratively here, if there was some kind of door you could enter into, and on the other side of that door was a place of no anxiety, no trouble, nothing could harm you or threaten you, would you enter into that door? Would that be something that you would be intrigued by? I'd love to walk into a door and find a place where there was no more sadness, no more tears, no more struggles, no more cancer, no illness, no evil trying to conquer the good. A place like that is a place I'm very much interested in. And that's exactly what Jesus is offering to you and me today in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the True One, one who has the key of David, who opens and no one, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What can a person with humble origins accomplish? What could someone that comes from a low estate accomplish in the world? You might think not very much. You've got to be connected, right? I'm talking from a worldly perspective. You've got to be connected. You've got to have uh, power. And what, how do you get power in our world? Do you all know? <laughs> you've got to have money. You've got to have all these things in order to be significant. That's nothing new for human beings. In fact, it was the same thing when Jesus came to the world. In fact, whenever the people of Israel were starting to hear about this Jesus and he was doing some miraculous stuff, people asked, where is he from? And they would say, Nazareth. And they would say, can anything good come, of Na come out of Nazareth? And the same is true for communities as well. We think about ourselves, perhaps. Uh, not many people across the world know about Devol, Oklahoma, do they? Uh, a place of humble origins. There's not uh, huge buildings here. There's not a, a lot of cultural things uh, that you can go to. No, no ornate monuments or anything like that. No superhighways coming through here. Uh, and yet, we have this opportunity to impact the world that we're in. How is that possible? And it's, it's something about the kingdom of God that we need to remember, we need to take note of. That the Lord takes the small, humble thing and uses it to accomplish great and mighty things. He's always done that. That's why He says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. 
It starts off here, but it grows into this big tree. And sometimes when we think about our faith in worldly terms and when we think about even the struggles that we have in worldly lines, we think, well, we've got to have this or we got to be that big or in order to make any kind of dent or impact. And that's false. That's very much false. All the teachings of the New Testament attest that good things come out, can come out of Debal, and all the different teachings that we see in the New Testament reinforce that. But if I only had one passage today that proved it, it would be this passage we're reading here today. Because the town of Philadelphia was tiny. The church in Philadelphia was perhaps one of the smallest of these seven churches, and yet, what does Jesus say about this church? Incredible things he says about this church. Jesus offers something to this church that he offers to you and me as well today. He invites this church because of their faithfulness. Now, this is one of two churches that we don't get uh, a beating from the Lord. They don't get a punishment of rebuking. This is one of the two churches where they seem to be doing things well. They seem to be faithful to the teachings of the Lord, and yet they are very tiny. And yet they are being told by the Lord, He invites them. He invites them in to this open door that He references multiple times. Now, I'm not much at all, but if I was invited by someone into their home, I become blessed by being a part of their presence. And if I become invited into maybe some kind of... Let's just imagine a scenario here. If I'm invited into the White House to work there. Would that increase my stature at all? Maybe to some of you it would, and to some it wouldn't at all. It just depends, right? But I hope you get the illustration, the point I'm trying to make. Who is it that's inviting this little church in Philadelphia, which means the city of what? Y'all know? Brotherly love. That's what that means. The city of brotherly love. Uh, who, who invites this church in Philadelphia, to enter into the door that no one can close. Who is it here? Number one, it's the Holy One of God. All right? The words of the Holy One. Is that significant and important? You bet. He is the Holy One of God. Uh, Peter said to Jesus, we believe and know you are the Holy One of God. He is the pure one. He is the one without sin. He is the set-apart one that is unlike anyone else in the world. And when someone like that invites you in, it's significant, okay? Number two, He's the true one. You see that? He's the holy one, and He's the true one that's inviting this church here in the same invitation He's offering all His churches, all of us. He's the true one. The original, as opposed to the copy. Are you tired of fake news? <laughs> Are you tired of fake posts? Are you tired of... Have you ever heard of deep fakes? Y'all know what this is? Deep fakes? This is a new thing that they're developing. They're using AI or what, artificial intelligence or whatever to make these cards. They're essentially animations. They're, they're, they're digital videos that look like the actual person is saying that. 
And, it, and they're saying that eventually this is going to be a big problem for us come election time because they can put up a video of so-and-so saying stuff that wasn't them at all saying it. It's called a deep fake. All right? That's a new term for us, a deep fake. And it just reinforces something we've always known, that we live in a world of disin, disingenuous folks. We live in a world of fakes. I'm not talking about people, just, just the impact of dishonesty and of lies. It's all around us. We live in a world that's not always true. And you don't know who to trust, do you? It's tough sometimes to go through life and not, want, and not know who you can trust, not know who's actually telling you the truth and who you can actually depend on to tell you the truth. And I can tell you this morning, there is one you know is the true one, and that's Jesus Christ. And this Jesus, verse uh, 7 here, has the keys of David. This is taken from Isaiah 22, verse 22. You'll hear, I'm going to read that passage here. At the time, Israel was being invaded by the Assyrians, and they kept getting uh, beat up by these different enemies. And there was a man named Shebna who was like the prime minister of Israel, and he had the keys to his office. Uh, he would make deals with the enemy to let them come in. So God saw to it that he would lose that authority. He gave the keys to a man named Eliakim, and he said to him, I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens a door, no one will be able to close them. When he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. Jesus has the power to open the doors and to close the doors. He's got the keys to the house of David. Anytime you hear house of David in Scripture, you need to think royalty. He's got the keys to the palace. And he has opened the door for you and me into the palace and he's the only one that can close that door. We live in times and struggles in our life where we feel like doors are closing on us. And sometimes we maybe doors are closing on us, but the one door you need open is open. And Jesus is the only one that can close that thing on you. He is the highest authority in our life. And he's offering us something here, this invitation access into the king's house. It's, it's significant and it's important because there are benefits. Access into the temple of God. Verse 12. Look at that verse with me. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Not only access into the temple, integration into the temple. You're becoming actually part of that temple of God. And we need to understand this. This is, this is something God, Jesus is inviting us to. And what does it mean for us to be stepping through this open door? What does it mean for Jesus to use all this language about doors open, no one can shut it but Him? He's the Holy One. He's the true one. Keys to the house of David. What's it all about? In this doorway, we are secure from the threat of any enemies that we face. When you are in the palace of the king, you are in this protected state. You are protected from all the things that go on in this world. This is why Paul is able to say, don't be anxious about stuff. Don't be anxious about anything. Because we are more than conquerors, right? We have been invited into the keep, into the, the stronghold. Nobody can shut us out. We need to remind ourselves of this throughout our week, when we're overwhelmed, anxious, trying to figure out how it's going to work, 
wondering how we can overcome all the things that we feel are against us, feeling like you're being attacked. You may feel like you're being attacked, but can anything overcome you when you're in the keep, in the stronghold of the Almighty? He's invited you in there. And we see another benefit of this. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. This is a very powerful and significant passage. We think, we think about, we talk about all the challenges that are kind of face humanity, all the, the uh, really devastation that will come with the wrath of God in the end. Have you, have you heard about this? Did you know about the judgment that's coming and how the wrath of God is going to come down on that judgment and He's going to set things straight? He's going to bring justice into the world. And as much as I deserve judgment, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I've been blessed with entry through this open door. And in this open door, I am going to be kept from the judgment. I'm not, I'm not going to be somehow strengthened to endure the judgment. It says here, I will keep you from the hour of trial. We don't even have to worry about it. We need to remember that. These things are eternal and magnificent and incredible, and they ought to change our everyday lives. In light of this, we ought not be panicked about every little thing that happens. We ought not be beside ourselves with how the election plays out. We do our, we do our role as in civic society. You know, we, we do our part to try to impact our culture around us. But I see some folks lose it over things that happen in this world. And, and in light of this, that not all... Be, uh, that, I got a little excited there. That ought not be the case. Why do we have a steady spirit? Why are we going through life with this tethering to the stronghold anchor of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because we know no matter what happens, He will keep us from all the trials that are coming. It's, it's, it's important for, for us to remember that. We have, we have not a single thing to fear in this life or in the eternity to come. Not a thing to fear if we're in Jesus Christ. If we've entered in through that door. Something else that's amazing to me is this idea of the temple. To the one who conquers. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. I'm a part of the building of the Lord. This temple, is, it communicates the area. The temple was the area where God and man came together, where He condescended and entered into the world so that He could live and dwell with man. That happened at the temple. And you and I aren't just offered invitation into the temple. We are becoming part of the temple. We are literally built into the temple. Peter talks about us being like living stones built up with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And all the years that have gone by, this is Philadelphia. And what is still standing? 
pillars, right? They would, have, they would have caught that. Back in this day and time, earthquakes happened all the time. And those pillars were the strongholds. That's what kept it all together. And you and I, Jesus has promised to make us pillars. We are stability in Jesus Christ. Not because of how, I mean, I'm an anxious guy sometimes, but not because of, of my approach to anxiety and whether I learn different skills or not. I mean, that, that's great to try to get better at those things, but I've got to recognize if I really want to get better, my stability is in Jesus Christ, and that's where I become this pillar, unmovable by the challenges of the world. Still standing after all this time. And you and I, as pillars in the temple of God, will stand forever together. Some of y'all may not be enthused to hear it, but we're going to dwell forever together in eternity. You're going to see my face for eternity. <laughs> I'm grateful for that. I would, I'm glad to spend eternity with y'all and, for all, and with all the saints of God with nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. When will it happen? I mean, how much longer? I mean, I'm kind of ready for that. And we go back to this passage here. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. I'm coming soon. The New Testament talks about Jesus' return as though it were imminent. Peter talks about, says the Lord's return is at hand. Paul says it's now. He, Paul, was so, Paul was so passionate about this. He was encouraging people not to marry in his letters, he said, I advise you not to get married because it's, it's coming. You know, the Lord is, is coming back. And here we, we look and we think, whoa, it sure has been a good while, hasn't it? It's been, it's been a few years since these things were written. Peter addresses this. He says, look, to God, to God a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. But we can make it even more practical and real. Have y'all noticed how the older you get, the faster time goes by. I can't stand that, for, uh, partly, part, kind of. The reason why I can't stand it is because it's hard to seize life. It's hard to seize the day because it's just, it's gone. Are y'all with me? And I remember when I was a kid, days lasted forever. But as I get older, I'm thinking, a year, I measure by years what I used to measure by, by days. A year is like, okay, what am I going to try to accomplish this year? I'm going to try to clean my garage out this year. No, not that, but kind of. Because we recognize just everything goes by so fast, the older we get, the more life we get under our belt, the faster and shorter the window of time appears to us. So imagine if a year goes by like that for us, how fast the year goes by for the eternal, to God Almighty who's lived eternally. This is a blip, you know, it's a very brief time. That's why we're talked about in such terms like we're fleeting, life is but a vapor, it's just here and then it's, it's not. And because I think it's an illusion to think it's been forever ago since Jesus came, I think that's kind of illusory. It's, it's from our perspective, yes, it's been a while. But from the only perspective that's genuine and true, that's eternal, it hasn't been that long ago. And I, I also take it to, with sobriety to say, no, I believe He is coming soon. 
He told us that. He's coming back soon, and, and I'm, I'm eager for that return, and I believe that the Lord is coming back. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back? Say amen if you agree. He's coming back. But remember what that entails. It entails this judgment for the world. That's what we learn. And that's kind of scary for those that haven't entered in through the door. It ought to scare us for those that we love in this world. Those that we love that haven't, haven't developed a relationship with Christ, that haven't entered into this door of protection. Because it is imminent, and He is coming very quickly. And He says here, John, Jesus says here, hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. We live in a world full of crown thieves. They're trying to take our joy, take our crown, take what we hold most dear, and we can stand firm and say, no, I will hold on to what we have here in Jesus Christ because I've entered into this door that lets me have access to the king's palace and makes me into a very temple of relationship with God. And in that door, nothing is going to happen to me. Even in the coming judgment, Jesus has promised in this passage to protect His saints, His people, to keep them from having to go through the wrath that is to come. Some folks look at this passage and they interpret that this is where the rapture, idea of rapture comes from. That God's people are going to be taken out from the coming wrath and they're going to be not even having to see it. I'm just going to say what the text says. He will keep us from those trials that are coming. And I believe that with all my heart. I want to invite you this morning to remember where you're at. You're in the, you're in the palace of the Almighty. You're being built into a temple. This is our identity. This is the protection that we have. And some of you may have may need to step through that door once again. Not that, you've, uh, not that we could ever lose what the Lord gives us freely, but sometimes we need to remind ourselves of where we're at. And some, some of us may not have ever stepped through that door and put our trust in the Lord. Or you might know people that you want to step through that door, that open door that Jesus Christ alone has the keys to. And if you, wanna, if you want us to pray for that person this morning, we can. If you need prayers to help you remember this identity we have, then we'll pray that as well this morning. And I just want to invite you to come up and pray with me. Anything that you need this morning as we stand.